But I want to begin my message this morning um, by telling you that I love Christmas. <laughs> I absolutely love it. You know, no matter no matter what time of the year it is, when I think of Christmas, it warms my heart. I love it. It's like my puppy. You know, my puppy Elliot. He just warms my heart. Well, Christmas is like that to me. You know, it's, it just like warms my heart. I love it. I love to see the the beautiful lights on homes, and and I love to smell a fresh cut pine tree. That's so weird though. A fresh cut pine tree in my living room. Who would have ever thought, you know? That's so but but it's so it's so Christmas, you know, and I, I love that. And um the crackling of logs in a fireplace. And if you don't have a fireplace, then you just turn on um dish TV and you bring it up on channel three oh four to the to the traditional uh, and then you just turn it up as loud as you can get it, and you can hear it, you know, and it's it's really cool. I like that. And so I'll turn off the lights. I'll have the Christmas tree on. And, and I got to tell you, we broke protocol this year. We put color lights on our tree. <laughs> I, have a, I have a tree in my office that has all white lights, and then we have one in the living room, and I put color lights on it this year. Usually we put the white lights on it, but I put color lights on it this year. And, you know, I love spending time with family and especially with my children and my grandchildren, you know, and and the Christmas music. Oh, the Christmas music. I love the Christmas music. Well, you know, there's nothing like it. You know, I started listening to Christmas music right after Halloween. I don't know about you, but I, I love Christmas music. And yet, how much do we really know about the songs we sing and the verses that we read at Christmas time? You know, I have a I have a Christmas quiz that I usually give out um, to people, and most people fail that Christmas quiz pretty pretty bad. But you know, you know, it, it's easy to go through the motions of trimming a tree, hanging lights, and and wrapping presents without real really understanding, you know, what Christmas is all about. And so, whether Christmas is a few days or a few months away, you know, it's it seems to me that we could add substance to our traditions and and, and knowledge to our faith by stepping back and looking deeper into all that surrounds Jesus's birth you know and that's what that's what I'd like to do over the next four weeks I want I want to talk to you I'm going to do this series on uh, Christmas for for instance do you know that do you know what what Jesus was doing before he entered the world as a baby do you know what he was doing do you know that you know, why did he come in the first place? Do you understand that? You know, what was it like for him to become a human? These are questions that we're going to answer. What, what has he been doing since he came? What's he doing now since he came as a baby? You know, hopefully over the next four weeks, we can answer some of these questions surrounding the first Christmas and Jesus's birthday. And I hope and I pray that these truths will be just what you need to help you celebrate the birthday of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's Jesus on Christmas Day and every day of the year. My question for you is this. Are you ready to unwrap your first Christmas present? Because that's what he is. He's our first Christmas present. You know, in in January, um, the United States celebrates Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, don't they? In February, whose birthdays do we celebrate? 
George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. And, and I, I celebrate Cameron and Alyssa's birthday because they were both born in February. You know, the birthday celebration of history's most significant person, though, is celebrated in December on the 25th day of December. Now, I don't know how many of you know this or not, but it was very unlikely that Jesus was born on that day. They, they, they estimate, you know, scholars will say that he was probably born sometime in the early spring, like March or April, but they're not really sure. But we have set December the 25th as the time. Shops will shut their doors, families will gather together, and people all over the world will remember the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. They will do that. You know, it was kind of interesting because I was in the grocery store uh, a week or two ago, and um, I was asking the, the guy there, are you guys closed on, it was, a, it was Wise Market, I said, are you guys closed on Thanksgiving Day? And he goes, no, we're open until 4 o'clock. And I go, that's a shame. You know, I, you know, but, but it shows you the difference and the significance. I mean, all stores will be closed, or at least 99% of them will be closed on Christmas Day. And so, you know, it was kind of interesting. Think of the many songs written to commemorate and proclaim Jesus' birth. What's your favorite? Oh, holy night. Now, that's one of my favorites. You know, you have, you have silent night. Oh, come all ye faithful. Away in a manger. You know, and hundreds of others that were written throughout the centuries. And, and each one offers praise for the baby who was born in a humble manger long ago. You know, how about the song, The Birthday of a King? Does anybody know that song, The Birthday of a King? Yeah, that, that's a good song. It says, hallelujah, how the angels sang. Hallelujah. How it rang, and the sky was bright, was a whole, with the holy night, twas the birthday of a king. You know, the, a birthday celebration, that's what Christmas is all about. It's a birthday celebration. But is it accurate? Is it accurate to say that Jesus has a birthday in the same sense that Martin Luther King has a birthday, or George Washington, or Abraham Lincoln, or you, or me? Is it, is it safe to say that? You know, many people assume that, that Jesus' existence began like ours in the womb of his mother. But is that true? Is that true? Did life begin for him with his first breath of that Judean air and the smell of that stable and the cow dung and, and all that, you know, the, the smell there? Do you think that that was his first breath of air? You know, can, can, can a day in December truly mark the beginning of the Son of God? Think about that. Well, unlike us, Jesus existed before his birth. He existed before his birth. Long before there was air to breathe, long before the world was even born, Jesus existed. Isn't that neat? If you think about that. So this morning, what we're going to do is I want to look at the book of John. So if you've got your Bibles, we're going to concentrate our time on John chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1, and we're going to, we're going to look at verses 1 through 18 here. John 1, 1 through 18. 
Okay. Here's what it says. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. That was John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. It says he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and lived for a while among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and, and truth. John testified concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Full of, from, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and, and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the only Son, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. What a passage of scripture, folks. That's so. That's such a great passage. You know, the the first thing I want to point out here is the the Son of God in eternity past. Notice what that passage there says in verse one. There says, "In the beginning, where have we heard that before? Where have we heard that before? In Genesis. That's right. The Gospel of John opens the same with the same words that Moses' account in creation opens with." In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But the Gospel writer transports us back beyond the earth's beginning, beyond when the galaxies were spun into space, and the mountains and the rivers and the valleys and the vast oceans were first etched on the face of the earth. You know, he he guides us to a time before time when Christ existed with the Father and the Spirit. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How do we know this Word is Jesus? Well, later on, if you if you look down in this passage here, later on in the passage, John unveils his identity in John 1.14. Notice what it says there in John 1.14. It says, the Word became flesh and lived for." For a while among us, 
We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, if you think about that, go to John 3.16 where it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, his only begotten Son. And if you look down in your footnote under that D right there in my Bible, it says that one and only Son was the only begotten Son. So John refers to him here as the only begotten son. He refers to him in John 3.16 as the only begotten son, the one and only son of, of the Lord. And so the only begotten son of God is Jesus Christ. Why did John call Jesus the word? Well, according to one commentator, uh, his name is William Barclay. I, I like William Barclay. The, the, the title Logos in Greek is is the name for the instrument through which God had made the world the logos the word that's what that that's what Jesus is called and he is the one who made the world you know the the thought of God stamped upon the universe what what gave man reason and and power to think and and power to know the the, the creating and guiding is what we're talking about here and the and the directing power of God that's what we're talking about. You know, the power which made the universe and the power which keeps the universe going. That's what it's all about. It, it, it keeps the universe going. And so, you know, it, it's, it's the logos. So, so John went out to the Jews and, and to the Gentiles to tell them that, that in Jesus Christ, this creating, this, this illuminating, this controlling, this sustaining mind of God had come to earth and it came in the form of Jesus Christ. He came to tell them that men need no longer guess or grope or, or, or wonder. All that they had to do was to look to Jesus and they could see the mind and the fullness of God. He, it was basically God was with, 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 with skin on. So that we could, we could feel him, we could touch him, we could be there, we could, we could be there right with him. The Logos has no beginning, rather he existed in the beginning, the, the realm of the eternal triune God. You know, and, and that's so hard for us to understand. Our minds just can't fathom that. The, the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, from, from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God is what the psalmist wrote in, in, in chapter 90, verse 2. Or as A.W. Tozer phrases that verse, he says, from the vanishing point to the vanishing point. You know, the mind looks backward in, in time till the dim past vanishes, then turns and looks into the future till the thought and the imagination collapses in exhaustion. And you know what happens in that? From the past to the, to the, to the future is that God is in both points. He's there. He's in the past. He's in the future. He's in the presence. God is there, unaffected by anything, and He is there. You know, there, there, there in eternity past, the Word was with God, communing in perfect harmony with the Father and the Spirit. And John chapter 1, again, verse 2 says, He was with God in the beginning, yet... He was also God. Therein is the mystery of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the three in one. They were co-equal, co-existent, 
co-eternal and almost too much for me to wrap my mind around. But that's what it was. The Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so further evidence of Jesus' eternal preexistence comes later in the Gospel of John. You know, first Jesus' older cousin, John the Baptist, says this in John 1.15. This is what he says. He says, John testified concerning him. He cries out saying, This is the one of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. What? Say, say what? You know, and, and that's, that's John. He was, he was basically telling of the pre-existence of Jesus Christ before he was even born. Christ also shared about his eternal pre-existence. He said in John 6.38, he says, I have come down from heaven. He says in John 8.58, before Abraham was born, I am. And if you remember that, What happened in that situation when he said, before Abraham was, I am? Who did he make mad? He made all the religious leaders really ticked off at him because they knew what he was saying. They knew that he was equating himself as God. And they were not happy about that. They wanted to crucify him right then and there because of who Jesus said he was. In John Chapter 17, verse 15, it says, And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Whew! It's a lot to think about, isn't it? What about the Son of God at creation? What was Jesus doing in eternity past? Well, verse 3, if you look at John again, First John, or, or John chapter 1, If you look at verse 3, we see his role in creation. Verse 3 says this, it says, All things came into being by him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Basically, Jesus created. This This is his masterpiece. Notice that John shifts the main verb in verse 1 from was. Notice, in the beginning was the word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, to, in verse 3 there, came into being. In verse 3, which is significant in light of John the Baptist's introduction, in verse 6, there came a man, literally, came into being a man sent from God, whose name was John. The Gospel writer used the same verb in verse 3 and in verse 6, showing that, like us, John the Baptist came into being just like we came into being at his birth, his birthday. Jesus came into being. Jesus never came into being at his earthly birth. He merely took on human flesh, and we call that God with us, incarnate, God in the flesh. He didn't come into being just because he was born. He was already existing, and he has always existed. But he made it clear that John the Baptist was just like us in that he had a real birthday in that sense, that he was not preexistent before time. Jesus was creation's master craftsman. First, he established what theologians call this divine decrees. 
you know, the, the laws of the universe. There's, there's laws in the universe. The, the plan of redemption, the, the disillusionment of, of evil and, and the end of time. Then, then he designed the, the, the beautiful valleys and, and that, that stretch between the, the, the soaring mountains that we, that we see. You know, it's, it's really cool. And, and the cascading waterfalls and the beautiful lush green forests that many of us like to be out hunting. And, and enjoying and, 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 and hiking. We love that. In the vast desert skies, all these things reveal the sun's ingenious touch, his creation. You know, and according to the apostle Paul, they reveal Christ's sustaining power. And I love what Paul says about the sun. He says in, in Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 17, this, he says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and visible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In him all things hold together. It's all about Jesus. Here's an amazing thought, I think. Think about this. The baby. How many of you have held a baby? Raise your hand. Okay. So most of you have held a baby. Imagine Mary with that baby in her arms. And that baby was holding the universe in place. (laughs) Imagine that. This, This little newborn lips that cooed and cried once formed the dynamic words of creation. He spoke it into existence. Those tiny clutching fists once flung the, into space the, the stars and, and, and the planets into orbit. That infant, that, that tiny baby in the arms of Mary is the Almighty God. Wow. Listen to this. A young boy came up to a missionary and said, you know, I love you and I, I want you to have this. And he pulled from a straw basket the most beautiful shell the, the missionary had ever seen in her life. As she admired the, its beauty, she recognized it as a special, a special shell only found on the far side of the island, which was like a half day's walk from the village. When she asked this little boy about this, he smiled and he said, long walk, part of gift. Long walk, part of gift. Crucial to everything we believe as Christians is this truth, that God loved the world so much that he made that long walk to come from where he was to where we are. When it was impossible for us to reach out to him, he reached out to us. Every single one of us sitting in this room, he reached out to us. Apart from the incarnation, we would never fully know the depth to which we are loved or the length to which God can be trusted because God gave the gift of his son at Christmas. We, folks, we should give good gifts. And we should also give God our, the gift 
the, uh, of our love to him. You know, the, the gift of Jesus, I'm telling you, the gift of Jesus is absolutely profound. And God loved us so much that he was willing to give us that gift no matter the cost. So what about the son with flesh on him? You know, as an ordinary baby, God came to earth. Incredibly, this is what, this is what I find pretty incredible about the, the Christmas story is that only a few shepherds tiptoed into welcome the king. Just a few shepherds came in to, to welcome the king. You know, maybe everyone else expected this event to be a bigger deal. I don't know. You know, greater fanfare. Or, or maybe everyone was just too busy to notice. Do you ever get just too busy to notice things? I do sometimes, and I, I don't. Yeah, yeah, Marvin's pointing to Deb. <laughs> we get too we get too busy to notice things sometimes. And I think that's sometimes that, that maybe that's what happened here. Maybe as as John writes, they they really did not want to, to God to come near to them because notice what it says in, in John chapter 1 verses 10 and 11 it says it says he was in the world and though the world was made through him acknowledging that he had made this world and that it was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Wow. Verse 11 literally says, He came to his own things, his own creation, but his own ones did not receive him. His own people, like the innkeeper, turned him away. The world is still shutting the door on Jesus. They, they really are. You know, you can speak the name of God and you can even talk about the Holy Spirit. And most people will think nothing of it. But if you mention the name of Jesus, it changes things. It changes relationships. It changes situations. That's a different story when you mention the name of Jesus. You know, our, our children can act out the Christmas story on stage you know, we can purchase the nativity scene to display on our mantle and we can sing the carols and light the candles. But do we really know Jesus? That's a question we have to ask ourselves. Do we really know Jesus? Is he our Savior? Is he our Lord? Have we received him? Have we received him? Look what verses 12 and 13 say. It says, yet to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And that's who we are. Amen? That's who we are. I love that passage. Take another look at that baby in the manger. Don't just notice those little cheeks, those rosy little cheeks, you know, of a baby, or maybe the curly hair, if he had curly hair, or the gaze in, in, into his eyes. You know, can you see what's inside of him? Look what John 1.14 says again here. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and lived for a while among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, the only begotten Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Do you see the child 
and the glory, the, the infant God. What do you, what are you seeing in the incarnation? Is, is God in the flesh. That's who he is. This little baby that was in her arms was God in the flesh. God came down and he put skin on. It's like us putting our clothes on in the morning. And thank goodness we have clothes, man, because you really wouldn't want to see this. But I'm telling you, that's what God did. He came down and became a baby, the almighty God. I like this little story here. Astronaut James Irwin is one of but a few men to be able to walk the moon. And as he stood upon the lunar landscape and he looked up, he looked up at the earth, he prayed for the first time in his life. He thought about the strife among nations. He thought about the poverty, the, the hunger, the rampant evil. And, and he thought, he thought to himself this. He says, what is more important than man walking on the moon? It is God walking upon the earth. Jesus is God come to earth and he rules both heaven and earth. That was interesting that, that James Irwin would say that. You know, I, I like his thoughts there because he recognized what was most important. It wasn't that he got to walk on the moon, but the fact that God incarnate walked on the face of the earth. You know, the proof that this is not some illusion is the wonderful fact that he dwelt among us. The word, the word dwelt literally means, does anybody know what the word dwelt means? It means he tabernacled among us. This is a reference to the tabernacle of Israel in the wilderness. Remember the tabernacle in the, in, in the book of Exodus? You know, the tabernacle was a temporary place where, where the Israelites could meet with God. It was humble in its external appearance, but inside dwelt the Shekinah glory of God. The Shekinah glory. I talked about that a long time ago when I first preached here. I talked about the Shekinah glory of God. Later in Jesus' life, John and others you know, would eat with him, they would walk with him, they would talk with him, they were taught by him, they, they lived along aside him, they all testified that he was the Son of God. He was the Shekinah glory. You know, John records the results of his incarnation in verse 14. We beheld his glory, and through him we have received grace, and we have received truth. And John tells us in verse 16, from the fullness of His grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Amen? We should be ex extremely excited about that. And then in verse 18, John reveals the final result of the Son's coming. Notice what it says in verse 18 there. It says, No one has ever seen God, but God the only Son who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Wow. By explaining the Father, Jesus did what no ordinary man could do. What he did, guys, is he bridged the gulf between us and God. 
you know, suffering heartache and pain. Jesus knew what it was like to be human. You know, reclining in, in the bosom of the Father, Jesus intimately knew the divine and, and, and he interpreted or li- literally imitated the Father through his words and his actions so that the world could understand and believe who God was. So he's the one who set the example for us. And so we could follow God. So the Son of God and us, you know, we have a stable, we have a manger, we have some animals, we have a man, we have a woman, we have a baby. You know, the nativity scene looks the same year after year. But most nativity scenes are spirit or are scripturally incorrect. You know that, right? Because they always have the wise men there. And we know that the wise men did not come to the stable. They came six months to two years later when he was a child in a house. But we still put them there. That's okay. That's okay. I always put them a little further away and put a house there. I don't put them right there with the the major scene. (laughs) But anyway, you know, this Christmas, try viewing everything in a different light. See the baby as John describes him in the beginning with God, who is God. That's who Jesus is. Imagine him in the pre-creation past, thinking of you and planning your redemption. Visualize the same Jesus who wove your body's intricate patterns in your mother's womb. And he also knitted this human garment for himself. That's what Jesus did. Picture him experiencing your pain and bearing your sin on the cross. Because before he even came, he knew how it was going to end. Envision him one day receiving praise from every corner of creation as every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But one thing is for sure. Don't miss this baby that changed the world. I like what, what, what Ken Geyer says. Ken Geyer writes this. He says, where you would ex- have expected angels, there were only flies. Where you would have expected heads of state, there were only donkeys. Well, I could say maybe some of those heads of states, you know, but we won't go there. Maybe a few haltered cows, you know, some nervous sheep, you know, a, a tethered camel, you know, maybe some mice running around in the, in the stable there. Except for Joseph, there was no one to share in Mary's pain. No one. Or to share in, in Mary's joy. Yes, you know, there were angels announcing the Savior's arrival but only a band of, of blue-collared shepherds. And they're the only ones that came. And yes, a magnificent star shone in the sky, which led some foreigners. I'm not going to say three, because we don't know if there were three or not. We only know that there were three gifts. Either six months to two years later, they came. You know, Thus, in the, in the little town of Bethlehem, that, that one silent night, the, the royal birth of God's son tiptoed quietly by as the world, as the world slept, as the world slept. Casting crowns has a song like that, and I just love that song. 
You know, Mary had the little lamb who lived before his birth, self-existent son of God. From heaven he came to earth. Mary had the little lamb. See him in yonder stall, virgin born, son of God, to save men from the fall. Mary had the little lamb, obedient son of God. Everywhere the father led, his feet were sure to trod. Mary had the little lamb crucified on the tree, the rejected son of God. He died to set men free. Mary had the little lamb. Men placed him in a grave, thinking they were done with him. To death, to death, he was no slave. Mary had the little lamb, ascended now is he. All work on earth is ended, our advocate to be. Mary had the little lamb, mystery to behold. From the lamb of Calvary, a lion will unfold. When the day star comes again, of this be very sure. Listen to this. It won't be lamb-like silence, but with the lion's roar. Amen. That is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at your watches. Does yours have a second hand on it? Mine's ticking, ticking by there. You know, look at it. Tick, tick, tick. You know, think of the seconds that have passed since I told you to look at your watch. Uh, there they go again. Some more seconds there. There goes another one and another one. Yep, there we go. You know, it's like it's like squirming fish. They slip right through your hands, don't they? Tick, tick, tick. You know, to stop time, you would have to stop the earth from rotating and, and the stars from burning and the galaxies from expanding. And well, I'm going to tell you it's impossible, so don't try to do that. You know, you're, you're going to fail. But time, however, doesn't have a hold on Jesus Christ because, see, Jesus is the one who created it. He can step in and out of time like a man steps in and out of a river. You know, we float downstream carried by the steady flow of hours and minutes, but he moves freely and instantly anywhere he wishes. Everywhere we have been and everywhere we will be, he has already been there and he will be there for us. If you look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and was and is to come, the Almighty. That's what he tells us. Long ago, the Son of God dove headfirst into time and floated along with us for 33 years. As God and man, he offers us both an eternal perspective and a sympathetic understanding of life's voyages of all time. You know, from, from the beginning to the end, in Jesus' hands, we rest in his power. Amen? We do. And I love what Stephen Curtis Chapman, Stephen Curtis Chapman is absolutely, has always been my favorite artist. He says this, he says, this baby, he talks about this, he says, but this baby made the angels sing. This baby made a new star shine in the sky. This baby had come to change the world. This baby was God's own son. This baby was like no other one. This baby was God with us. This baby was Jesus. And love made him laugh and death made him cry. With the life that he lived and the death that he died, he showed us heaven with his hands and his heart 
because this man was God's own son. This man was absolutely like no other one, holy and human right from the start. This baby was God with us. This baby was Jesus. Amen? I love that. And so this baby that we celebrate is God with us, incarnate. And I love what John had to tell us about him. 